Like I said, we have been looking at God, man, Jesus, and this week we will look at the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a aspect of the Trinity, I think, that is probably one of the most forgotten pieces of the Trinity. There's actually a book that um, Francis Chan, for those who know Francis Chan, he wrote Crazy Love, but he has a book called Forgotten God. I'm talking about the whole Holy Spirit and recognizing just how much we forget about the Holy Spirit. Just how much we don't even talk about the Holy Spirit. And if I had to ask you, who is the Holy Spirit? What would be some, some responses? Who is the Holy Spirit? Anyone know who the Holy Spirit is? Is the Holy Spirit important? Hmm? How, in, how important is the Holy Spirit? Very important. Okay, well, how do we know why, why is the Holy Spirit so important? Comforts us? Guides us? Paraclete? That's what you said? No, that's a Greek word. We're going to actually look at that word today. Anyway, paraclete. Anyone else? Chastises us? The Holy Spirit is very important with our walk with Christ. In fact, before any of us can come to know Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit has to convict us of our sin. The Holy Spirit draws us. It's the Holy Spirit that does a work in each of our hearts. And we so many times just go through the Holy Spirit and just forget about Him completely. We don't even give Him a thought because what we think of, and I think sometimes we have lost in our church, when we hear the Holy Spirit, we think that means, oh, like this special being, and everyone has to be on fire, and you know, everyone can be dancing down, everyone can be speaking in tongues. You know, and the, the list goes on of what people think of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, as a believer, lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in each one of us if we call ourselves a Christian. And this is what I want to look at as, as the first thing. It says the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood and often forgotten member of the Trinity. When we think about the Holy Spirit, we think in terms of mystery, of the strange and borderline paranormal. And it's the Holy Spirit who turns Christians from regular people into raging crazies in the eyes of the world. Rather than fear and confusion, however, the Holy Spirit deserves our reverence and awe. After all of our flight from the Christian subculture rests solely on His shoulders, we must recognize that in each of our lives, the Holy Spirit is the one that works in us. Without the Holy Spirit, it means you can do no good. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no Christian life. The Holy Spirit is what convicts us. And I don't want us to just, I don't want us to go to the next slide, but I want to read a passage of scripture that I don't have on the slides tonight. But if you have your Bibles, you could turn there. And it's John 16, verse 5 through 11. It says this, But now I am going to him who sent me along. None of you ask me, where are you going? Talking about Jesus. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper will come to you. But if I go and I will send Him to you, and when He comes, He will convict the world concerning judgment. He'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. 
You see, the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of our sin. And this is where we need to ask ourselves this question. Because if we say we are a Christian, then our goal should be to pursue godliness. Our goal should be to pursue Him with everything we have. But I have to ask you another question as a Christian. Do you feel the Holy Spirit convict you when you're doing something wrong? You see, because the Holy Spirit is what convicts us. The Holy Spirit is that voice that you hear and say, you know what? You shouldn't do this. You know, I know so many times we, you know, we, you know, especially us, and sometimes we have to be very careful because some of us say we're Christians. But all we do is pursue the ungodly things of life. You see, and we have to ask ourselves this question, and I don't want to scare you in here, but if I am only pursuing things in this world, I have to ask myself, am I truly a believer? Is the Holy Spirit present in me? Also, another thing that we have to recognize is that the believer is that every one of us is given a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit. But we're going to look at a couple of words tonight as we think of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, we can look at, he first of all, He convicts us. But it also said in that particular passage that He is our helper, He is our counselor. In John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I want to set the tone here for a second for us to understand here, because we have to recognize exactly how powerful the Holy Spirit really is. Here it is, the disciples walked with Jesus. They had Jesus with them the whole time. He walked with them. He did all these things. And as we read, first of all, in John 16, the whole, they were all scared. They were worried. What are we going to do? You're leaving us. You talk about you're going to die. What are we going to do? But Jesus said, look, I'm not going to leave you alone. Actually, in fact, it is better for me to go because I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. Let me ask a question. How do you think those disciples felt? Here it is. They walked with Jesus, saw the miracles, saw all the good things He did. But then He said, I'm going to leave you. I'm going away. How do you think that made them feel? Afraid? Sad? Lost? How many of you have had a loved one that has passed away and you just wonder how in the world you can live without them? Anyone ever been there? Here it is, they walk with the, the man God, Jesus. They saw the miracle. They saw what he could do. And here it is, Jesus tells them, look, it's better for me to go. But I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you one that's going to help you. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit, if you call yourself a believer, lives in you. And because He lives in you, we should be different. Because He lives in you, our lives should strive to be like Him every day. That's Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' answer to the needs of God's children. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as our counselor from the Greek word paraclete. As we, as Donna said. You said you hear that in probably school, right? Paraclete is based on a combination of two words. Para means by the side, and kaleo meaning to call. 
The paraclete then is one who has been called to the side of another. Here it is, we have to recognize the paraclete, the Holy Spirit has been called to be our helper. He is called to be by our side. He lives in us. And this is, like I said, this is how we know that someone is a Christian. And we're going to look at that even more because it says we will know the Christians by their love. By how we love. The second word we're going to look at is this. Filled. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what it said in Ephesians 5. It said, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize that this whole concept of being filled with the Spirit. What does that truly mean? Again, I know some denominational teachers, that means we got to be filled, we got to be dancing, we got to be on the floor, dragging out, you know, we got to be speaking in tongues, we got to be doing all these things. That is not what it's talking about. This is talking about being filled, as in the Holy Spirit is working in you. He is guiding you. He is the one that convicts you. You are being filled, and because you are being filled, your whole life should be different. You should walk as wise, not the unwise. But be filled. And this is what it says. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, this is how you can act. Address Him one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs. Now let me just say this, because we see the word psalm, that doesn't mean I'm going to come to you and say, Thaddeus, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That does not mean that. You know, because I know that some people think, oh man, you know, I got to go memorize some more psalms so I can come into presence. And I come to your presence, I can recite that. No, that's not what it means. But our whole attitude should be an attitude of love, an attitude of joyfulness. You ever met a person who is very miserable? And my wife will tell you I'm probably miserable sometimes. But you ever met a person who is always miserable? Like they're never happy at all? Like they just miserable. How many of y'all know a person like that? How does it feel to be around that miserable person? It makes you what? Miserable. It makes you feel like, you know, the same way. No? Okay, well, you're the exception then. David always has to be the exception. Thank you, David. But anyway... But verse 19 is saying, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual singing, making a melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to the God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we can look at this a couple of ways. I want to look, I want you to think about boat for a second. Two couple, two different types of boats. A rowboat. When you're rowing in a boat, what do you have? Oars, right? What do you do with the oars? You are moving them, right? Without the oars, the boat's not going to go nowhere, right? Only if the, t- the current is, yes, only if the current, yes, I know. So I knew a smart, I knew a smart boat swimmers could tell me that. But let's think of it outside the box and think of it. <laughs> right? Kevin's a smart boatsman. But let's think about it, right? Without the oars, you're not going too far. You will move a little bit, but you're not going too far. And that is how me and you are sometimes. We want to be in charge of the boat. We want, we want to be the force behind the boat. We want to do everything like this. You know, we want to do, you know, we want to be in charge. 
The second boat we could look at is a boat with an engine. As we know, if we're in a boat with an engine, who's doing all the work? The engine, right? You know, all you do is start the boat. You know, you go. The boat is going. It's all the engine. So we have two different things there. Where me and you are in the rowboat, we are in charge. Then we have the boat over here with the engine, and we are then the engine in charge. You see, I want us to think of the Christian life not in either way. Not that me and you are in charge in the rowboat, or that the engine is doing all the work, but we should be more like a sailboat and the, as we think of the Christian walk. And I want to just read this analogy and how we think of, of the whole thing with the sailboat. And it says this, as we think of a forward, forward motion of a sailboat, it's based exclusively on catching the wind. No wind, no motion. You can't control the wind. You can, however, control the sail. Your job as a sailor is to tie the sail correctly. You point the boat in the right direction and raise the sail up the, to the right way. You judge the conditions and around you make necessary effort so that when the wind does blow, you're ready to sail. I think the same principle applies to the Christian's role as being filled with the Spirit. We don't fill ourselves with the Spirit, but we do make ourselves available to be filled with the Spirit. We can choose obedience in the little areas of our lives. And when I say that, let me just be clear. Jesus does all the work in our salvation. But there are times in our lives when we make choices in our lives that, that we could either go this way or we could go that way. We could pursue Christ or we could pursue the world. And that is where we go. That's where we have to really ask ourselves the question, are we truly filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I trying to pursue Christ with everything that I am? We can spend time meditating on the Word of God. We can practice spiritual disciplines. We can pray. We can fast. We can do all these things and more. But when we take this kind of active role, we're raising the sail and ready and, and readying the boat. God's wind takes over from there. Being filled with the Spirit is really about yielding control. We set the conditions, trust in the Holy Spirit, and surrender complete control to Him. You see, we must recognize that we must surrender ourselves over to God. That is the only way of us being filled with the Holy Spirit. But again, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, as we think of the humans, and this is how we have to understand humanity, is that none of us in our own power seek after God but it's only through the Holy Spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit that He does the work. But me and you must be available. We must be willing, as we talk about spiritual discipline, we must understand that apart from Him, we can do nothing. But we have to surrender ourselves. We must die to our old self and put on a new self. Which brings us to the last thing we want to look at. as the fruit. Galatians 5, and I want to just look at this in the whole context because I think that sometimes we forget of what we actually look like before we come to know Christ. And this is what it says starting at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, 
and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me stop right there. These are the things that if you are pursuing, if these are the things that you are, you are always angry, you are trying to court dissension, you're always talking bad about people, you're doing all these other things, you're involved in sexual immorality, how can the Spirit truly be living in you? He can't. He can't. If you're pursuing all of those things, the Holy Spirit can't be living in you. Because this is what should be evident in your life as it says in verse 22. It says, but, and we've talked about this. When you see the word but in Scripture, stop right there because that's the contrast. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Let's say it together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the question for me is this. Is this evident in our lives? Is this evident in my life? Is this evident in your life? Now, am I saying tonight that you're not going to struggle with some of these? No. Because I could think of one right there that I probably struggle with the most, and I've actually gotten better, but I still am bad, and that's one, two, three, four. Patience. How many of y'all struggle with patience? I'm the only one, right? Thank you. Everyone hand went up in the room. Patience is hard. Especially in times when you sometimes are waiting on the Lord to do something. You're like, being patient. But this is the point is that these are the things that should be evident in your life. Love. Do you love people? Number two, are you a joyous person? Do you try to bring peace? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you good? Are you faithful? Are you gentle? Again, that's what brings me back to the whole thing of a person who you find is very angry. You know, we we come across angry people. People that are always mad and they feel like the world has just treat, sent them a bad card and they feel like, you know, this is they're just angry at everyone. You see, for me and you as we search our hearts and our lives, this is what needs to be evident. People need to see these in our lives, in our hearts. So you may say, well, how do you know if some of the Christian, these are present? This is not the, this is the norm of their life. This isn't a special thing. Now let me just say this. I know we could find some good people. Some people who are good morally, like they'll do all the right things. But this is here what we're talking about. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is something that we must recognize that will separate us from this world. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we could do this. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we are going to continue to stray away and do the things of this world. So I ask you tonight, are these fruit present in your life? If they're not, you need to search your heart and ask yourself, am I truly a Christian? Am I truly pursuing Christ? Is Christ all of me? Have I given all to Christ? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, we've been talking a lot about, in the last couple weeks, about being lost and being found. If you're found, this is what's going to be in your life. You know, I think too many times what happens in our world 
we try to look exactly like the world. Us as Christians today have been trying to compromise a lot of things. You know, we talk to other believers and they try to compromise different sins and just think, oh, it's okay to do that. You know, let me just say this again as I think about the Holy Spirit. I know what it's like to be your age. And I know someone told me, I can't remember who just told me, that was Danny, I think, told me that I am old, so I don't know what it is. But I do know what it is. Oh, you didn't say that, but you said I'm old. Right, okay. She said I was old. But let me just say this. Me being old, I've learned from mistakes. I've learned what it's like to try to please people. I know what it's like to go to parties and think, as a teenager, to think, oh, it's okay for me to be here. I'm not doing what everyone else is doing. To compromise everything that I believe in just so I fit in with this crowd. I treat my other friends bad because I want to fit in with this crowd. It wasn't until probably I hit the age of 18 that I would honestly say that I was genuinely saved. I did all the right things. I came to church. I thought I was a Christian. I, I got up on pulpit and did things. Everyone used to say, well, man, he's, he's God together. You know, I had it all together. They thought, oh, he's going to be, and I guess I am now, but, oh, he's going to be next year pastor of Gary Bible Church. But actually, I guess I came through the Lord, had a sense of humor in that. But, I was far away from God. I fooled a lot of people. But let me just say this. You can never fool God. Never. You see, this will become evident in your life. Those other things that we talked about before these previous verses will become evident in your life eventually too. Your anger, your malice, your sexual immorality, all that will come out. But it's the fruit of the Spirit that separates us from everything else. So again, I challenge you tonight. If you're not sure, talk to one of the leaders. That's what we're here for. If you're struggling with something, talk to us. Because what we need to understand is the Holy Spirit is convicting of us our sin. If we could continue to do wrong and we ain't getting convicted, that's when you question whether or not you're truly saved. And I don't want to scare no one, but when you can continue and continue to do wrong, the Holy Spirit ain't ever in your life. Because the Holy Spirit will convict you. And let me just say this, it becomes easier and easier and easier to compromise your relationship. If you have one. It's easy to, you know, you sin once, you know, because I know what it is, go to the party and be like, I ain't doing nothing. Then you go to the party again. You start doing something else that you normally didn't do. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So I challenge you tonight, again, if you don't know Christ, talk to one of our leaders and ask them, how can you know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? From God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you again for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that you sent to help us, to counsel us, to convict us, to show us right from wrong. Father, as we search our hearts and our lives, 
the one thing we need to ask ourselves is this. Are these fruit in our lives? Or would people say that we're angry? But people say we're impure. But people say we want to cause dissension. Or what people say, I do see the fruit in your life. Father, I pray as we go into our small group time, I pray that you just open up our hearts as we just discuss these things. Father, I pray that you would give us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.